Welcome to episode 36 of BoardWars.eu, your bi-weekly podcast about Star Wars Imperial Assault, a miniatures game by Fantasy Flight Games. Another special guest will host the show with us, but the news starts still pretty early at about 8 minutes into the podcast. Of course, we talk about the flurry of articles released by FFG over the last few weeks, including the new FAQ and tournament map. Game discussion as well as play experiences take a backseat this episode, and we actually close out the show with Community Watch at 1 hour and 35 minutes. Don't be sad though, as at the very end you get some preliminary news of our next Vassal Skirmish tournament. If you like our content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash bweu. We really appreciate it. Have fun with the show! Hello and welcome to another episode of our Imperial Salt podcast. This time, after Essen, we have, again, a very diminished cast. Uh, some some guys caught the, the trade fair flu. Um, so, this time, with us is, like most of the time, Antonio. Hello. And we also have with us today, Alistair from the UK. Hello there. Pulled myself away from all my Essen games to uh, join the podcast. Yeah, I saw. Uh, I think Loco, the one of the guys who met us, met met up with us at Essen. He also posted his haul today in Discord, and it's like thirteen games or so. I don't know how many did you buy. Uh, I think the group of us together filled two suitcases, but I think I'm only responsible for about four. A lot of expansions. The- did you pay extra on your flight then for all of the board games? <laughs> um, yeah, you get a little, you get funny looks when you're going over to Spiel the first time because you have a lot of empty suitcases, but all the security guards at the London <laughs> airport have seen it a lot and they go, oh, I, I can tell what's happening this weekend. <laughs> Perfect. On the flight back, okay. I looked around and half the people in the plane were reading manuals, instruction manuals of some kind instead of their uh, tablets. So, uh, yeah. It's quite, a, it's quite a pilgrimage. Anybody should go if they've never been to Essen Spiel. Yeah, speaking of Essen, uh, we met up there. Uh, it was me, uh, Antonia, Hendrik, you, of course, Alistair, and uh, we also had Christian, or as he's known as Loku on the on Discord and I think on the forums. And we talked after uh, after the show on Friday for three hours or so about board games and also Imperial Assault, some of which we will touch upon in the episode two. But moving on... We have a lot to cover again, since we skipped recording before Essen, so after Essen, the news topics didn't really um, get less. They actually got more, but we'll see about that soon. Before we get to the news, though, we will have a bit of cleanup. Um, Let me just note down the time here. Um, First of all, (laughs) we're still getting emails telling us that our pronunciation of English it's actually very fine, and thanks, guys, for sending this in. We, we I didn't, I didn't, I didn't intend for this to blow up this way. So, I will from now on. I will, if you're sending emails, I will reply to you via email, and I will not mention it on the show anymore because this is actually developing, developing in a saga, and we, I think we have uh, more interesting stuff to talk about than our pronunciation of English. But thanks again for the emails, and if you have other. Uh, criticism or constructive criticism, don't hesitate to send it to us via email and I'll surely read it. And if I don't reply after like 10 days or so, just 
send it again. I usually I make sure to reply to all emails. So. Uh, also, during our meetup at Essen, um, Loco brought up a very interesting point in saying that uh, what he would not like about the show is if we would stray uh, from Imperial Assault and especially how some other Imperial Assault uh, themed podcasts do. And he specifically mentioned Vader's Finest with their Outer Rim episodes where they talk about X-Wing, Armada and other uh, like Star Wars LCG also, I think. And he said that this he actually isn't that much a fan of off, and I completely agree. And I also I wouldn't actually do anything other than Imperial Assault on the podcast. I mean, we will maybe talk about Essen a little bit at the end of the show today, but that's like a yearly occurrence, so it's not gonna bleed into every episode. So for for now and for the foreseeable future, we will not talk about other stuff than Imperial Assault. At least not on the show. And uh, last but not least on cleanup, uh, stay tuned. Next episode, we will uh, reveal the details of the new BoardWars.eu Vassal Tournament, the winter tournament this time. And it will um, it will start after Worlds. So everyone who is at Worlds can also participate because this time we will have a dedicated um, American bracket, which all North American players can flock up in and have their own uh, bracket to, to bash their heads in on Vassal and then maybe even compete for prizes. Yeah, that's a good news actually Actually, because the Vassal League uh, was kind of discontinued, I believe. Um, really? Did you did you follow I it? just read some posts on Facebook. They, I think they organized over Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I read some posts indicating that it kind of died because... Uh, um, the people, the organizers, the original ones, didn't have any time left. To yeah, okay. but my, my personal experience of it, I enjoyed the Board Wars tournament so much that I uh, definitely was looking for more ways to play on Vassal. But uh, you really do face the trouble with the time difference. Uh, most people are working, and uh, I think that they had yeah. a really ambitious plan, which I think is excellent, but it, it really does, you know, once in a blue moon can you organize a game with somebody in Australia and somebody in the States if it's in your pod. So um, it's good to hear that there'll be some chances to uh, make it work for Board Wars next. Yeah, and uh, talking about that, I'm specifically intending to make two um, um, what's the Swiss groups, and one of, one of them will be for the general area of Europe and one of them for the general area of North America. So it doesn't really matter if you're Mexican or Canadian or from the US. No, it matters. As long as you're on the continent, sorry for the guys in Hawaii and Alaska, <laughs> uh, as long as you're on the continent, you should, you should be fine, really. And uh, scheduling games can be difficult. Yeah. So it will be a problem. But I'm intending, intending to write some additional tournament rules to sort out these problems and to make it as fair and uh, as fair as possible and have have as many games as possible actually played. Yeah, I'm also participating in another vessel league and um, for Comet Commander Europe, and they yeah. organize it in a similar way that they have several skirmish groups and uh, for the different continents. And then if you uh, actually manage to go through, you start to play uh, versus another continent maybe, but the the games where you have to do this are a little bit rare. So yeah. it's fine. But That's we will exactly talk details later, I believe. 
Um, yeah, then next episode actually. So. Yeah, I'm 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 playing somebody from Australia this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck on the time difference. <laughs> okay, so with that, that's all the cleanup for this episode. We will jump right into the news, which since Yappe is not here, I will do. Like all, like all, all of the times he's not here. I think one one time Antonio did it. I mean, I mean you oh. you can't do it if you I, want I to. I failed to imitate him. I don't I have the new speaker. Him, but it's <laughs> the new speaker voice. Good evening, okay. everybody. Good evening, everybody. To our news this week, we have first of all a lot of FFG articles, and the first is it is the future UC. It is a uh, article focusing about, uh, on skirmish, written by Zach Bunn from Team Covenant, and he's talking about how to build a decent core rebel list. And he's also pointing out the, the power team like Gideon Argus and C3PO, as well as um, ways to to work around silo technique and other important stuff you might uh, need to consider when building a list for the rebels in imperial assault you should if you are into skirmish and are not very experienced with list building you should definitely definitely read it although i'm not sure i agree 100 percent with all of the conclusions he's drawing so specifically about david but yeah maybe yeah i also don't play that much of skirmish so uh, take that with a grain of salt, and just try try a bit with, uh, with the stuff he mentions, and with yeah. the article. I, I think that th this was the one that I was really looking out for compared to Scummer Imperial, because uh, I think the Rebels are the ones that are probably struggling the most in the skirmish scene at the moment. Uh, some people can make them work really well, but sometimes they can really swing the wrong way. Um, I think that he's absolutely right that, like in the recent podcast, you know, C-3PO is just the best points per you can get on a unit on the board. I think what was a little bit of a shame about it was that uh, they didn't really mention some of the other heroes that um, skirmish versions of the heroes that you see used really well in, in, in some skirmish lists. I'm thinking of Fen and uh, even some of the ones like Biv. I think if you are not really the high competitive level, there's actually a lot of fun to have in Rebels, but it comes from picking heroes that are a little bit more switch situational. You're never going to know that it's going to be as consistent. Yeah, I think uh, the article focuses mainly about the force uh, trait and how to how to use the force user trait and how to exploit it. So it's definitely slanted in a bit, and there are other 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 traits you can you can use to build your list around. Like you said, with friend troopers, and that seems to work really really well. But of course. It's not really consistent, and, but it is a lot of fun to play. So yeah, um, just just read it, and it, it's just a, a way to construct it. It's not the only way, but it's a way to get you started. Yeah, definitely. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, the second article is called "As You Wish," and it's also about skirmish. This time about a mercenary faction. We're going a bit of out of order here between the the last one and this article. There's actually an article released about Chavez Perez, but since these two are kind of related, I will um, group them up here. And the article about Skirmish also starts off with Gideon Argus and C3PO, because it seems like you have, you almost have to include them in a, in a mercenary list to be uh, decently competitive. And of course you can with the Temporary Alliance. So um, 
other than that, he's trying to push a bit on how to, to use beasts and maybe even how to do uh, strain. But I'm not so sure if the Trindotion Hunter is ever going to... Or if they are if they are there now in the skirmish, so yeah, still Again, it's, like my it's, experience it's from, a way to build lists. Well, the UK national, the uh, the beast machines that's mentioned in this article, uh, the bent yeah. rider with the HKs um, and Bosk, very similar list made it all the way to the end in uh, nationals, my final match, and actually had trend oceans instead of one of the HKs, so it was every card was unique, which you also don't see that often. Um, yeah. I think I think it's a it's a really really strong uh, list right now. But as you mentioned earlier, it, it's uh, Gideon giving that movement and those two focuses from three PO as well. That's what really pushes um, the scum over the top right now. And I think that you know with Jabba coming, that's what everybody's expecting is that Jabba's going to be the new magic number six points. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but we also talked in Essen about how they try to push the Tudotions, right? To become better. But there's still I, a problem in health. I think that's what we agreed on. Yeah, yeah, we talked um, about this when we met up. And I think I brought this up that they are that they are a bit low health for what they are costing. So I yeah. think that's the problem. <laughs> and my theory is, and we'll see if they write in and agree or disagree. I just think the designers kind of like them. I feel like a lot of the cards have been trying to get more sure. Trandoshans on the board, and I, I think that uh, they really they really uh, got a lot of faith in them. But my experience when I'm facing against them, when they're on the opposing team, is I think if I can kill one Trandoshan, I've got much less of a problem to deal with, uh, even more so yeah. than if I kill one HK. And still, they're, they're quite... They're not that hard to kill with the, with the Black Die and with, the, with no way, no really real way to, to improve the defense. It's really hard yeah. to keep them on the board. Because all but, of the peers from 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 yeah. the. But Alistair, wasn't also your 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 guess that they will become better when the new hero comes out, the sh- uh, one from Jabba's realm, Sheila Barrett, yes. the one with the whip. I think that the um it, this uh, the article actually mentions their strain within three power, which is is decent. It's okay, yeah. but I think when Underdress came out, a lot of people got really excited about doing extra damage with the extra strain. If it's me, I want damage consistency more than I want giving my opponent a choice, which is take damage or take the card. Uh, I'd rather do something that's always going to be bad. So I like to be adjacent. And as you said, when you have to spend all that time moving, you're leaving them quite vulnerable. So as a big preamble, I noticed a lot of the Java's palaces have some pushing and pulling opponents around powers. So I think if you've got the new Mandalorian hero... um, using her whip, or you've got the new uh, the brawler sort of pushing people around, that actually a lot of really interesting options have opened up for getting that point-blank shot without putting your trend oceans as far forward and making them more risky. So uh, we'll see if that plays out once I start getting my hands on it, but I, I'm really excited to try Trandos more than I was when Under Duress came out. Yeah, it will yeah, be interesting course. to see for sure. Yeah, it can be a bit hard to really use repositioning effects effectively in skirmish since it also depends on, on your enemy and his uh, his ability to to anticipate your plans and maybe not even fall for the trap to be then pulled over, but we will have to see. So well, I'm playing in the campaign right now, which is very very dangerous to play campaign when you want to focus on skirmish because one can really yeah. affect the other. But I'm I'm trying uh, Verena and I'm having a lot of fun with her, even though she's a tricky character. But there's nothing I like more than her ability to get into an enemy's uh, lineup and just b- bounce that one player that one opponent out of the 
you know, setup that they want. It's really useful to pull yeah. somebody off an officer or split a unit. And I think that, that people will be really surprised how, how versatile a figure that allows you to sort of uh, change your opponent's lineup is going to be. Mm, yeah. Okay. You wanted to something to add, Antonio? Uh, no, I'm I'm just curious how it will turn out to be okay. the case. Yeah, we still have to wait for a little bit. Java's Palace, I think it its status is not updated on the on the FFG upcoming site, so I believe it might on be, a, in a Christmas relief. Uh, yeah, release. it might be in 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 freight freight ship limbo with all of the uh, stuff around the financial breakdown of this Korean ship company, but yeah. We don't know for sure, so... It's, it's, right, it's right now marked as shipped, right? Shipped? Or on the is, ship? Is or? Yeah, that, no, that it's, it's on the boat. It's on the boat. It's on the boat. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah oh, oh, sorry, on the boat. Yeah, I was... Yes, of Wait, course, on the boat. Let's, let's check this Incidentally, me notice me, the Canadian, chickening out on pronunciation there. I didn't want to say Shyla is the Mandalorian and Onar is the, uh, is the uh, bodyguard character, but I'm sure I've got the pronunciation wrong. <laughs> okay, so... Actually, the both Java's Realm and all of the associated uh, packs are still listing it at the printer. So, oh man, we will see. Okay, so we'll have more time to talk about other more important stuff. So, yeah, we have no time to lose news. News. Move on. Moving on, we get to our first proper article, which is called Savage, and it's a preview of the Imperials and Mercenaries from. The Chabas Realm expansion. So it deal, it talks about the, the included figures and also the um, included agenda cards as well as some uh, Imperial class cards. But let's not get ahead of ourselves and start off with the first spoiled uh, mercenary trooper or actually not trooper unit but hunter. almost a trooper unit. Yeah, it's a hunter unit, yeah. So... Uh, since I talked a lot, uh, let's hand this over to Antonia. Uh, yeah, of course. The first one, which was spoiled, was the Requay Pirate, I believe he's pronounced. Um, he ha- was spoiled in his two different versions. First, I will go through the normal one, the non-lead one. Um, he is a mercenary. He has the keywords Hunter and Smuggler. He costs 5 and 3 to reinforce. And you get two figures with it. Um, the traits are plus one accuracy. Then you can also spend a search for plus one damage and a search for plus one accuracy. He has the trait Raider. While attacking, you may choose one die. The player that rolled that die must re-roll that die. He has four health, four speed, a black defense die, and two green attack die dies in his ranged attack. Um, the elite version costs seven instead of five, and has a reinforcement cost of four instead of three. It gets two accuracy by default. It gets plus two damage for a search, plus two accuracy instead of plus one accuracy, and additionally gets a search ability of PS one. Um, it is also the radar trait, and additionally has an has a movement called pr- uh, action called prowl. A special action, which says you become hidden. It has six health instead of four. It has speed four, a black defense, and again two green attack dice. Okay, so what do we think about this goodie? 
I love them. Uh, yeah. Oh, for, as a campaign player, I'm not terribly excited for them. I'm not sure. They seem too weak. But oh, I can see that. Yeah, I I think that you know in some of the campaign that I played, not my expertise, Stefan. You and I are in the opposite ends of that one. Uh, I yeah. love the uh, very reinforceable um, enemy that's got good range. Because if you can split these really far, make it so the heroes can't take them off the board, you'll be able to keep them coming back. Uh, but from a campaign perspective, I think that this is a, just an amazing unit. I, I didn't think Scum needed it, but the the versatility this these guys will fit everywhere. Um, and to me, it's down to the two green dice. Uh, I think I admitted last I'm a big Greedo fan. I think I love surprising people with Greedo because that yeah. double green die hits so hard. But you know, for only five points, you put two two figures rolling a uh, really consistent attack. That's uh, that's that's an amazing addition to the Scum Army. Would you would you rather play the regular or the elite version in skirmish? Because for two additional points, you get in total f- four additional health. So I think the I, I think the elites uh, are going to be a bit better because um, yeah, generally the the only reason I get really excited about generics is either when they're filling in a hole because they're the last thing left, or if I want to do a big swarm. And with four health, yeah, I think they don't fit. They- they don't fit either of these. Right? Yeah, I think the generics are, are just not... They're, they're going to be a wonderful spice just to add on to the end of some lists, but really, 14 points, a little bit like the Elite Tuscans, the Weakway Pirates are going to be... Uh, I think are going to show up a lot. And the main reason yeah. is, I think we've been seeing a little bit more of this with the Rebel um, Rangers as well, is that they actually... The secret about them is they're going to have a really good ranged attack. If you spend round yeah. one getting them hidden, and then you're rolling plus two accuracy mm-hmm. in a base... That's two die, you could be really consistently hitting at range six, seven, eight, and that's going to surprise people. I think when you've got that, um, people aren't going to really realize how they can do a lot of damage to you without taking much in return. They are a bit cheaper than the age kit rights, but they can hit reasonably hard. I mean, they can only reroll one die instead of the elite age kit rights who can reroll. One of your die. Yes. And one of the other defenders die. I've got a suspicion, and this is just speculation, but right now, Hunter Smuggler, both HKs and these guys are Hunters, and so the Hunter yeah. cards are fantastic, so I'd go with Weakway Pilots. Pirates, if they come out with a good droid card, which I expect they will, I think HKs are going to go down in popularity, and then they're going to come back. But right now, we just don't have any good droid, droid cards to push them over the top. Yeah. Yeah. I think they are kind of the opposite of the Tadoshans, right? Those Pirates. I mean, they are... The Indotions need to get up close and personal, so to speak. And sure, they are, sure. They are priced the same as the regular ones, the elite ones, 7-6. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that's, what, that's, what I'm, I'm, that's what I was saying. The The issue with the Indotions isn't that they are... I mean, the, the issue is that they don't have enough health, but this is only important because they have to get so close to the enemy yeah. to, to actually make, make use of their most important abilities. Yeah. And without that, they are not that good actually. Whereas when when a, when a weakway pilot, uh, whereas sorry, elite weakway pilot can be far enough away, and it's six yeah. health. So I certainly have yeah. found sometimes my HKs have been with five health. You can actually shoot long range and do enough damage to scare them off. Six is actually I think that's a real sweet spot for health if you can be far away and six health. Whereas I agree, the Trandoshans yeah. need way more health if they're going to be in the thick of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they don't need more health. They need some other boost. Like you talked about this in Essen, when uh, there might be some uh, skirmish upgrade card that helps them, specifically them and other uh, figures that have perceived not enough health for their uh, for their role. So, like 
standing in front of uh, of all of the stuff. So there might be some some way to to salvage them, but it's it's not there right now. And so okay, uh, moving on to the Warhammer oh. Three Orc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the Gamorian Guards. Uh, Alistair, you want to go over them? Uh, yeah, I'd be so the generic Gamorian Guards. Um, are cost six, reinforce three, brawler guardians, uh, and you get two figures for it. Uh, this is hilarious. I, I love that they, their abilities with five health, four speed, and a black die. So pretty standard generic unit, and they're rolling double red. So you know, a generic <laughs> unit, you're going to be seeing some massive hits. They've See, got that's what I like in my campaigns, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But now here comes uh, the yeah, point. The- that's, so they've got reach. They've got reach, which is fantastic. So you're going to be. It, it get, I think sometimes you can consider reach when you play uh, royal guards. It's almost like an extra movement, which is fantastic. Minus one damage, which is I've never seen before, and I think that's fun. And a surge for cleave one, which unless you're focusing them and I or making them hidden, and I don't think you really would. You're probably not going to see that much. Uh, they got two powers: Gamorian honor. While defending during a a ranged attack, you can reroll one defense die. And labored attack. While attacking, you may suffer a strain to reroll one attack die. Now, yeah. anybody who, play, who rolls red, red dies often oh. can say that one seems to come up a lot more. I think they're all weighted so that that one on the red die comes up. So if you've got the chance to yeah, get rid still, of that one, it's worth it. I mean, this is, gen- this is a generic card. It costs six. It's not that, it's not that um, hard to get on the board. And you can reroll one attack die most of the time when you want it. That I, I, they're they're gonna kick ass in the campaign, and it's gonna be brutal because think of a a, um, a rebel hero in the first few missions rolling a white die, rolling the blank, and you are rerolling one and hitting with six, it, with one one of the one of the two attacks you have. That's amazing. That, that, that I can't even I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, I think they are very good, especially in the campaign. Not sure about skirmish, but campaign. I'm gonna play them all the time. So. I think that they're filling a new role that we haven't really seen in skirmish, unless you consider maybe the royal guards. Is that they're almost like an area control figure because of that reach and that hit. You can that you can sort of perhaps say, yeah. "This is my area. Come into it at your own risk." I don't really need to worry about it too much because if you want to shoot me with range attacks, I've got a little bit more health. And mm. there are some guardian abilities which are kind of interesting in this case, not a lot, but I think that they've got a they've got a good potential to sort of really help you hold a, a, a sort of zone control in certain maps where that could be really useful. So I could see them so, on constant motion having some kind of utility. So which which guardian ability do you find useful? Like parting blow? Uh, it's not the guardian. Right. Well, but with Reach, I think Brawler is going to be really... Uh, yeah, the Parting Blow is definitely... There, there are probably more Brawler cards that are interesting. The Guardian cards that I find interesting are um, the Bodyguard ability to allow you to choose who the the attacker has to at- attack. If somebody is shooting at ra- with a ranged weapon at your HK, say, next to a Gamorrean Guard, well... Why not take the range attack on your Gamorrean guard? You're you're happier to lose him, and you can reroll that black die because it's range attack. That's actually going to give quite a lot of, uh, I think, reliably gettable options. That that'll come up in a lot of skirmishes, making the bodyguard card um, shoot up in value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the other one, stand firm. I'm not so certain about. Uh, so did you go over the the elite Gamorrean guards already? No, but it's 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 probably. 
and I might be not be right on this, but I think it's one of the biggest changes you get between uh, the generic and the elite. So uh, jumps up to yeah. eight points and four for the reinforce. Um, the health goes to eight, speed stays four, and the attack is still double red. But uh, both the abilities and the card abilities have changed. So we've still got reach, but instead of the minus um, damage, we've got cleave uh, surge for cleave two. I wasn't so excited about it on the generic, but I would start focusing these elite. Uh, Gamorians, because Cleave 2 with Reach is pretty amazing. Um, you've still yeah. got Gamorian Honor Guard, but instead of the uh, Take a Strain um, ability, we've now got Professional. While attacking, you may reroll one attack die, so one half of the brilliant HK attack that we all like so much. And once again, you know, you're just making, you're just pushing a two red attack into an even more deadly zone. I think it's yeah. a hell of a hit. Yeah, Actually, but yeah. I don't know. The, the, once, once, once you're not focused anymore. I mean, the cleave two kind of sucks, right? Because you have red die and you have a probability of one third, right? Uh, uh, there's actually one additional difference because you said you still have Gamorian Honor Guard, but the re- the regular ones have Gamorian Honor, and the elite ones have Gamorian Honor Guard, which is not a uh, a, a reroll when you're attacked with a range attack. It's actually a bonus block. So it's even better. Yeah. You're quite right. Missed that. Okay. But, yeah. but, but how, so, are you, are you, how do you want to focus them? I mean, right now I'm... Yeah, that, not... that's, that's, what, that's why I want to bring it up. The, the plus okay. one block when uh, on a ranged attack, which it's, it, it is for all ranged attacks. So it doesn't even matter if they are adjacent to you or not. Yeah. Uh, as long as it's a ranged attack, you get plus one block. And since most of the units are ranged right now, especially in trooper lists, they're gonna have a one block all the time. And if you're rolling rolling one block or two block, that's almost that's that's really really strong. That I mean, it's it, it sounds so so weak the plus one block, but in skirmish, it's amazing. The plus one block it saves you so much damage, Definitely. especially for especially against trooper lists where there are. A lot of uh, attacks incoming, and each attack is suffer- suffering this uh, minus one damage, especially. Uh, actually, so I really, really like the plus one block. So, not sure if they are better in the campaign than the regular ones, but in the campaign, actually, I think the regular ones are better. But in skirmish, I can see the the lead ones played all the time. They are just in air quotes. <laughs> Eight yeah. points, but it's really good. I think another card to consider for both of the Gamorian guard uh, cards is Pummel, uh, because Reach is going to yeah. mean that you're going to have a real threat range to do those double attacks. Uh, and if you're if you're either either whether you're spending a strain or the just getting a reroll every time, I think that that's as I go back to this zone control thing. I think if I'm playing Diala or if I'm playing um, Davith, I'm going to be so afraid to leave them anywhere close to these guys because of the, the possibility of me rolling those blanks um, and just having the you know, just way too much damage that I can take any turn go through. Yeah. yeah. So, really, um, you talked about this in Essen, but it seems like um, the mercenaries finally came out of their shell during the summer with, or actually a bit before the summer with the Panther Raider, the, 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 the HKs, and then Greedo, so they're really get, they're becoming a powerhouse right now, and they're really a force to be reckoned with. But with the Chaos Palace expansion, it seems like it's get, getting even worse. 
and it seems like the age of the, the mercenaries has come. <laughs> yes, anarchy has uh, been unleashed on the world. Yeah, but uh, let's go over to our next spoiled cards, which are uh, actually Imperials, and this time it's the Chat Troopers. I think we talked about the generic ones already, which I'll go over them uh, just uh, quick. Ooh, they're called Chat Troopers. They are costing 4 and 2 for a reinforce. They're having the traits Trooper and Vehicle, which should be important, especially if you're considering uh, Sorin. They have the Mobile trait and a Surge for plus 1 damage and a Surge for 2 Accuracy. They have Agile. While defending, you may convert 1 block to 1 Surge Cancel. Uh, 1 Evade, sorry. <laughs> we call it Surge Cancel all the time when we're playing. And they have jets. After you resolve an attack, if the target space is within two spaces, gain one movement point. They have free health, four speed, a defense of black die, and a blue and a green range attack. So they are the generic trooper like stormtroopers. And they also have an elite version, which is also jet trooper. The cost jumps up to seven, and the reinforcement cost jumps up to four. So what are you getting for that? Uh, the search ability is changed to search for plus 2 damage and search for plus 3 accuracy. Agile stays the same, but instead of jets they get flyby. When you declare an attack, if the target space is within 2 spaces, add 1 blue die to your attack pool. After the, target resol uh, after the attack resolves, gain 2 movement points. They have, instead of 3 health, they have 7 health. This is not a it's not a, an error. This is very. This, it jumps up very much, and the other stats, stats are staying the same. So four speed, black defense die, and a blue and a green ranged attack. So, I'm, I'm really torn on them. Uh, in campaign, depends on. It really depends on on the, the actual mission and how line of sight and uh, difficult terrain, difficult and uh, impassable terrain is, is structured. To make them really good or bad, this is so they are an, an, an itch product to use in the campaign. I think uh, other than they might be uh, on the board for uh, during the setup, but in skirmish, the elite version, Alistair, is this, is this as good as I think it is? I mean, you get a well, you get a free free dice attack. Yeah, if you can I, I don't I don't want people do it to that uh, way. Now I'm not, I'm just not. Trying to avoid a reputation that I'm always excited about everything that comes out, but I don't like these at all, and I feel like I must be missing something. Really? I think that it's when I th it's not good. Well, I think it's that what's going to really hurt them is the um, the 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 you're going to bounce in and out of range to to do shoots with them for these two units, but yeah. you've got slightly the same problem as you do with um, the ISB agents. That as soon as you take away one, it's almost not an activation that I would be too excited about. Um, adding a blue die, That's as true, yeah. anybody knows, can sometimes be be not not quite enough to really get you ex as excited as getting a focus token or or something else as you'd imagine. And you know the surges they've got are good for the range, but they don't really complement each other perfectly. Because are you trying to be close range and get the flyby power, or are you trying to be long range and get the plus three accuracy? So I look at them and I, and I think if I look at the generic uh, troopers, sometimes with an imperial list you will end with with a an annoying bit of points would be three, four points, say, do I do two officers? I don't even think I would choose them there. I think I'd choose two officers over a jet trooper in that case. And when it comes up to mm -hmm. seven points, I'd rather have a re-rolling, I'd rather have a re-rolling generic trooper list and have three of them. 
So maybe new missions, maybe new maps will change this for me, but they're only trooper vehicle, and unless some new vehicle command cards come out, I don't think they're really that exciting. Okay. It's interesting. Yeah, I throw a little negativity into this podcast. Yeah, that, yes, that's finally. <laughs> Not a fanboy. <laughs> no, I, I, I actually, I'm since I'm not that uh, skirmish um, educated, might be totally off base here. So it's fine. That's why you're on the show, actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the uh, last thing I was thinking of is we'll come to it is the new map that's coming through, and we'll talk about it later because. We'll, we'll figure it out, but the yeah, new map has got yeah. lots and lots of line of sight and corners. Now, I haven't tried it yet, but maybe a jet trooper is going to be really fantastic in that to sort of hop around and around those red lines and those spotted lines that we're now seeing, but it's too early for me yeah. to say whether or not I'm completely wrong on this. I would be happy to be wrong about these guys. Okay. Yeah, let's see then. Uh, in the campaign, like I said, they don't seem too enticing either, so maybe they... Like that, this this box was conceived in a time when the four x four meta was in full swing, and the Imperials crashed everything. Mm. So uh, maybe this is actually the remnant of, of a time back then when um, the developers thought that they didn't have to bolster Imperial units that much. So maybe that's what's going on here. So this uh, they don't seem that interesting. So. We'll go over to a much more interesting uh, command card. Antonia, do you want to read the beast? He's so huge. Yeah, the <laughs> Rancor. He has two different um, versions. The first one is for the campaign. It costs, of course, it's um, a villain card. Uh, uh, scum card. Um, he costs 10. Of course, you only get one Rancor for that. He has the... Uh, um, he has, uh, he's a creature and he's a brawler. He has a massive keyword. He has reach and plus one, dem uh, plus one um, defense by default. Then he has two different search abilities. The first one is plus three damage and the second one is cleave two. Okay, so the campaign version has the special action throw. Push a small figure within two spaces up to two spaces. Then that figure suffers two damage. Feet. At the start or end of your activation, you may choose another friendly figure within two spaces. Recover um, damage equal to its health minus the damage it has suffered. Th that figure is defeated. Non-sentient. You cannot interact. He has health 15, speed 4, a black defense, and a red and two green attack die. As a melee, of course. Um, the skirmish version... Of course, it's also a creature and a brawler. Costs also 10. But the keywords change a little bit. He is still massive, but now he has only reach and misses the plus 1 defense. And he only gets plus 2 damage for a surge. And he still gets cleave 2 for a surge. Um, the special, special action for the skirmish is brutality. Perform 2 attacks. Each attack must have a different target. Um, he still is non-sentient, but now he is trained. At the start of each round, you may add one black die to your defense pool during this round. If you do, lose brutality and non-sentient non during this round. He has health 15, he has speed 4, a black defense, and red, green, green, so this does not change. Oh my god, that was a lot of text. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, do you want to talk about the skirmish version first? Alistair, is this is this actually too much now? <laughs> oh, this is this, this is the one. This is this is sort of I, I'm getting I'm getting flashbacks the to the Inquisitor um, because I think it looks great yeah. to me as well. Um, because when the Inquisitor came out, the the damage for the points and the health all looked so amazing, and the Rancor does look so amazing that it's hard to imagine that he's not going to just change everything. Um, to me, the the it's the reach that really makes uh, on a massive. I, it's going to be really really exciting to see the 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 fun lines of sight, the, how people are going to have to really commit to come after him um, to get in get into those claw range, uh, which is great. I also think that uh, two greens and a red, oh. uh, there are so many circumstances where I would prefer a green to a red as a die. So that that is a scary roll. is amazing. Yeah, I, what I think about is, is that he also is a creature, which means some of, or most of the, the command cards and also the skirmish upgrade cards targeting creatures also work from him. So... Beast Tamer, in speci- especially, I mean, it was very good on the on the um, on the Bantha, but for the Rancor, it's amazing, right? I mean, he's getting a free move at the start of the of, at the start of his activation, and then he can still move and brutality. What's going on? I mean, he's he's mowing down stuff left and right. Is it as amazing as I think? Um, hmm. I think it's I think it's great. You, Funnily you enough, sure. I think <laughs> that you're gonna the, the trained is, a, is we've never seen anything like trained. But sometimes you're gonna be looking at the board, and I love the choice. You're gonna say I can hit really hard, but other times you're gonna go. Sorry, I'm worried I may have dropped. Um. um yeah, sorry, we have a bit of te- technical difficulties with uh, with Alistair. He, he seems to be a bit of breaking up in Discord. Uh, we will continue with the skirmish version in a bit. I will instead talk about the campaign version, which is also very interesting. Uh, first of all, the search for plus three damage, really, really good, but it's less interesting than the other stuff he has. First of all. I think if, if the if the rancor is adjacent to you, or not even adjacent if he is in range of you at the start of the turn, you are in for a hurt because not only are you are you suffering that the, the the melee attack, you also probably got thrown or get thrown. So uh, he can push rebel heroes around and deal two damage which aren't blocked by anything and this can be done even after his attack so it's very interesting not only can he reposition rebels with that he also can deal damage that can't be blocked and on top of that the feed ability doesn't cost any action so if you have another disposable like say stormtrooper around (laughs) uh, he can recover damage for Basically, no investment at all. Like, you're basically investing two threat or three threat to heal up your rancor by three or five <laughs> health points, which seems like a bad trade if you if you think about it that way. But 
if the the mission calls for you controlling a specific point, it's it's very strong. I think yeah. it's just a stormtrooper, right? I mean, we can agree. It's just a stormtrooper. I mean, the the what's it called? The the example they give in the in the article is actually with a Gamoran guard, which has five or six health for. Uh, I'd say three points, so it's actually much better with them. <laughs> so I'd actually take the advice of the article and do that. But um, well, who doesn't like bacon? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> okay. Uh, campaign version, of course, very interesting. Also, it's not unique, so you can include it every time. You can include any unit. The ten threat is tough to swallow in a campaign, but if you can do it anyway, it's you that the rebels are in for a bad time. So. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Esther, Definitely. are you back now? And if, if I'm back, I think I was what I was just trying to say about for skirmish is I think that yes, the beast tamer brutality attack is gonna is gonna show up, but also look out for that uh, trained power. I think having that general Soren slash Vader defense is gonna be really strong on those circumstances where you know you're not gonna get a good brutality off. So may may as well take that second black die, which is gonna make you feel uh, it's gonna be a lot harder to take down than a bantha for sure. Yeah, and there's also a uh, one-costed uh, command card, right? Which uh, lets you defend better at, uh, survival instincts. Gives you an additional block and additional search yeah. cancel. I don't think the Rancor is going to see round four in a lot of games. I think he's going to be too much of a priority to kill. But anything that keeps him going and makes the opponent invest more in him, you've still got 30 other points in your list that are probably going to be doing a lot while they're focusing on the Rancor. Yeah. And he's huge. He's, he- he, yeah, that's for sure. I, I, I took pictures of it uh, in in Essen, and I already uploaded them to Facebook. So if you want to check there, you can see them. And it's really, really... The the problem I see with it is that the, the claws, they are hovering just shortly above the ground, and but they are occupying space outside of the figure, like in a, in a huge way. So the, the Rancor seems much more, much larger than he actually is on the board. And yeah. moving it around the board, I, I just I joked uh, when we met up that you will probably knock up all of the other figures when you're moving it because auto win, yeah, the, the <laughs> auto win, yeah. So it's amazing. So that the figure looks really, really cool and uh, very imposing. But moving it on the board will probably be a bit tricky. So look out for that. Yeah, definitely amazing figure. So I will get yeah, it no matter what. There's there's so there's so much to do with it in, in both in both campaign and in skirmish, so I can't wait to get my hands on it. So Okay, there's also the article specifically mentions Beast Tamer, but like we said, that's probably not the only combo you can build with him. Okay, uh going on, we have uh a few agenda cards spoiled. Uh, and I think it's um, free, yeah, it's free. So the first is call your shot. So it's called it's from a from a set called Guild Hunters, and it reads: Keep this card secret. Play it during any mission while a figure is defending to apply minus one e- minus one evade or minus one dodge, or minus three block to the defense results. Then discard this card. It costs two influence and. Yeah, you have to discard it after after you do it. This is playing into my my hands for the for the article I'm currently write, writing. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, 
we talked about uh, when we met up about uh, the Dodge symbol and how uh, Joe Lucast from another podcast uh, about Imperial Assault, and he also writes articles on on his on his website. Uh, wrote an article about in defense of the Dodge symbol on the white die and how it's very good inclusion in uh, Imperial Assault and yeah, the other memorable moments and all of that stuff. You really should read it, and it's in the show notes of the previous episode. But we also talked about this uh, during our meetup, and we came to the con conclusion that uh, the Dodge symbol is actually very, very bad for skirmish, as it's as it makes some of the some of the moments in skirmish very very swingy. And to alleviate this, I think the developers are starting to include a lot of effects that help you to work around the Dodge symbol. Not even maybe not even negate them all, negate it all of the time, but maybe even just work around it. This is one of the tools. I mean, this is a tool for campaign, but the skirmish side will also, it already has some, some tools for this, but it will also get more of these tools. So, and it's a, I mean, it's one of these cards that costs two and is discarded after, after use, but it's effect is really strong. So I'd, I'd still buy it, even though usually I, I advise against buying two influence cards that are, that are discarded after use. So, any more ideas about Call Your Shot? Um, no, I yeah. I never okay. I never played the Imperial player to be honest. I always played the oh, hero, okay. so it's, it's always kind of hard to um, actually figure out how good a card is for me. From, from a skirmish standpoint, it's always nice to know you're going to be able to do damage. It just makes decision making a lot yeah. uh, clearer. And I think that's why it's, it can make it for a more chess-like game. So I like it. Yeah. Okay. Next card is shoot first, um, Antonia, or let's let's let's, let's go, Alistair. Okay. I left you. I left you out once. Yeah, That's no problem. Perfect. So, uh, two influence card also from Guild Hunters. Uh, keep this card secret. Play it during any mission at the start of the round. An Imperial group may interrupt to perform an activation, then discard this card. Whew! A full activation. That's an interrupt. Yeah. Um, what I. So, it seems very good, but since it's only an interrupt, you're basically only shaking up the, the turn order for one round, because you're still exhausting the command uh, the deployment card for this group, so they're not going two times this round, just they're going first, which might be very interesting with the Rancor to make sure that uh, the Rebel you really want to Devour is still in range. But other than that, I can't see this being any use. I mean, there is the article also, the next article we're going to talk about speaks about um, that the Imperial player falls into the habit of saving up uh, agenda cards for the last mission since the winner of the last mission determines who wins the campaign and all of that stuff I don't really care about. But... Um, the, this card actually plays against this because this is a card you really want to save up until you have to maybe even save a a mission objective like a unique unit like General Weiss or or Soren with his tank or other unique units you want to save in a in a in the last mission to 
make them able to interrupt at the beginning of the round, get out of get out of the way, so the rebels have a harder time actually getting to you. So I can see this being a bit a bit counterproductive in that way. But overall, I wouldn't buy this card because two influence for throwing it away after one time use doesn't seem very appealing to me. Yeah, it doesn't just doesn't sound as good because you are just basically, as you said, pulling one group. It's, in it's front. not even an additional activation. So yeah, yeah, exactly. You're just for, for that. For that. For that. I, I would have. I would have bought it in a heart, heartbeat. But so it's just not strong enough. I think. Yeah, it's really it's really situational again because it's it's just really good if you either have a group which is almost dead, which you might not activate if the heroes go first, right? Mm-hmm. Or if there yeah. is some kind of mission objective or whatever you want to block the heroes from in some yeah. way. I don't know. As a rebel, as a rebel player, I am always counting on that first activation whenever a new round is starting. I, I I need it. I'm often planning for it. I think this can really scare somebody when you when you just think, well, I'll I'll be the first activation. I'll be able to clear that and then do something else. So I think that you don't play this anywhere near the middle. Or even the start of any given mission. It's an ending of a mission game to really just decisively knock uh, hopes into the ground. Yeah, the thing is, if it would be laying open on the table, it, this would make, make much more sense to be to use it as a threat. But since it says to keep it secret, the rebels don't actually know what you have in hand, so they cannot really bank on you having uh, you you drawing or buying this card. They, they don't really know, so. It's not something the rebels should actually calculate with, so I'm not sure if this is making me buy it any better. So, <laughs> okay, I'd say hands away. So maybe buy the next card, which is called Jetpacks. Antonio, you want to read it? Uh, yeah, of course. So Jetpacks is um, from the from the Persistence deck. It costs one influence, and it reads: Keep this card secret. During any mission, when you deploy a group of small figures, you may place this card on that group. Figures in that group gain mobile. At the end of the mission, or when all figures in that group are defeated, either discard this card or shuffle it back into your agenda deck. I feel we already have such a card. Is this correct? I remember that there is something very similar. Or maybe it's just a until the end of the round effect on another card. But it, I mean, it costs you only one, and it stays for you maybe maybe more than one round. So yeah, on that. But unless the unless the map or unless the the mission map itself is very clustered and very hard to tra- traverse, I really cannot see this. So I, it's also, I mean, there are. I think there are much better one uh, one influence cards, and unless the persistence deck has some other better stuff in it, I wouldn't get this even if I would draw it. So it's it's just a non-issue. Most of the time, it's a non-issue to be mobile or not be mobile. So yeah, it kind of depends how the map looks like, but most of the times yeah. it's probably not that useful. Yeah. If there is a lot of blocking terrain, like impassable. Yeah, might be interesting. It all it all depends on on how the on how the new tiles look, and seeing as a as us being most of the time inside or outside in the dunes with a lot of rocks or so, might be good. 
but taking it like in a campaign in half where there's very much open ground and you might have some difficult terrain but you don't want to spend one influence to make one group mobile to avoid difficult terrain that's not that's just not cost effective so in uh, in the half missions I wouldn't take this at all it's just not giving you anything worthwhile all right uh, these are the three spoiled uh, agenda cards and we head on over to the next spoiled cards which are three plus cards actually more than three it's, uh, let's see how much let's see how much they are first of all we have um, two new decks the first is called nemesis and the second is called hot mercenaries and both have like always both have uh, both of them have a theme and the first um, deck is Nemesis, and the theme of Nemesis is that you have one or two powerful units that grow in power over time. So the first card you get for zero XP at the start of the campaign is called Powerful Foes. It reads, you earn one Imperial and one Mercenary Villain of your choice. After choosing open groups, add one earned Villain to your hand of open groups. And for one threat... Deplete this card when you deploy a villain to reduce its deployment cost by the threat level. This is... I thought a bit about this card and the one threat cost. And it seems that in the first two missions this doesn't do anything really worthwhile because you're, redu you're reducing the, the cost of, a, of the villain by effectively, effectively by one, which isn't that much. But... If you think about it, the two uh, unique characters you choose, you should choose them to for for different stages in the campaign. So you you want to choose one of them really powerful, costing a lot of points, and one of them being on the cheaper side and costing less points, so you can deploy them earlier. So this card might not do you any good in the first two missions, but after that, I can see you deploying Ancient Blaze for. Uh, four points which is actually amazing considering that he gives you another another way to generate a threat over time so this can be very good and i'm, I'm curious to see uh, how this deck develops we have a few other uh, other cards spoiled for this deck the first of which is ringleader uh Alistair, you want to read ringleader uh, yes indeed um Oh, just taking a look open. So this is an attachment um, for villain only. At the start of activation, you gain two movement points. And also, while an adjacent friendly figure is attacking, apply plus one accuracy and plus one damage to the attack results. It's a two experience card for Nemesis. Uh, it's good. I mean, it helps you get your villain in, in place, and especially for, like I said, for Blaze, this is amazing. Yeah. Because you... and. It must, mustn't it even be Blaze. Maybe it's even uh, Kane or so, because Kane also has sometimes problems getting into position. And then yes. you want you want adjacent uh, Stormtroopers to attack. And if they're adjacent, they also get another bonus when they attack, attack. So this might be actually very good on Kane or so. I feel like the uh, campaign missions often are a little bit more crowded than skirmish. So yeah, that adjacency is a little more powerful. But yeah, it reminds me of the advanced comms and sort of just powering up those villains. Yeah, 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 it's very similar, yeah. 
as a whole, I, I, I just, just think that this the theme of this is great because I love yeah. the idea of starting a campaign saying, "All right, rebels, just." Get ready, because this whole mission, you're just going to be seeing those familiar faces quite a lot more. And that's going to affect what, what skills yeah. the heroes buy, what ex- what, what uh, equipment they buy. But it's just going to make for a very, very kind of um, movie-like campaign, I think, with some real personalities. Great, yeah, the great, great theme. The recurring villains is something I look forward to the most, I think. I mean, there are two decks in there, and I think the decks I, the deck I want to start with is a, definitely the Nemesis deck. So I can have a have a field day with all of the villain stuff. Speaking of villain stuff, uh, the next card spoiled from this deck is called Indomitable. Uh, it's for four XP, so it's one of the highest cost cards, and it gives you villains cannot receive harmful conditions, but it doesn't stop there. Exhaust this card when an attack targeting a villain is declared to add one black die to that villain's defense pool. And, for one threat, use when an attack targeting a villain is declared to ready this card. So, this is amazing. Um, uh, it, it's, it gets you... So, we don't know much about the rest of the deck, so, but we all, we all suspect that it will power up villains even more than that. So, not getting any harmful conditions on them is very good for that, because... You don't have. Uh, you don't need to spend actions on discarding bleed, discarding stun, or getting weakened, which is also very bad if you have very good surge abilities. And to make them even hardier, you can get a bonus free block if you roll good. So this card seems to be very much up my alley, and I will. Pro- I, I don't know what the what the second four XP card is, but I'll probably buy this instead of it, depending on how good it is. But we will see that when we get the full deck spoiled when, we, when I have it in hand. So, Nemesis deck, certainly very interesting, but we also have another interesting deck, which is called Hot Mercenaries, and the first card is called Wanted Dead. Uh, Alistair, you want to go? Sure. So, or, when no... It's okay, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, when no heroes have a bounty token, each hero claims a bounty token. Uh, exhaust this card while a hero with a bounty token is defending to apply plus one damage or plus one surge to the results. And finally, when a hero with a bounty token is defeated, discard that token. So this is the the starting card for uh, for wanted dead for the hunt mercenaries. It reads very weird, unless you have already read the the follow up article in where the the designers talk about that one of the the issues the players faced when playing the game in campaign is that the Imperial players seem to pick out the weakest target first and um, homing in on the weakest target to to have a have a, a an easy way of defeating one of the rebels first and then crippling them because when you are defeated or on a wounded side your stats change and your your attributes change so it's usually it's a bit of a hindrance so uh, to avoid this they introduced this deck, and it's it reads very weird unle- unless you realize that these bounty tokens they carry over over missions. So, for instance, in the first mission, if you if you play the hot mercenaries uh, deck, the first thing that happens in the first mission is all of the heroes get one token. So, if they are then one of them is defeated in the first missions, but not all of them, only the defeated ones basically lose that token. And the other ones keep it until the next mission. So the next mission, 
the villains that were not defeated, so were not the target of focus fire in the first mission, actually have uh, ha- have a like a marker on them, and the, the Imperial player might want to home in on them, especially because the plus one uh, damage and the plus one surge is very, very powerful in the beginning. So I, I'd say they completely succeeded in distributing the, the focus fire across the group. And um, another way to actually com- accomplish this is with the new rebel hero, which we will talk about in the next article also a bit. But this card, it seems like a bit weak at first, but I think it's very strong. So, especially since the bonding tokens will only get stronger the more cards you buy. Okay, so the next card. Steph, do you think it changes? Do you think it changes the math between two hero uh, lists versus four hero lists for the rebels? I don't. Because it's, it's actually not based on activation tokens, interestingly. It is based on heroes. So That's with true, only two heroes. Yeah, but you the token stays on no matter what, so unless you are wounded then. So you I mean it should make a two and three player games less favored in uh in uh on the side of the rebels, which uh is a good thing, because I think the rebels have have too much flexibility when they're playing with two and three players yeah, or two and three heroes so this combats this a bit because you have a an easier way to focus on one of them much earlier and much more efficiently yeah but on the other side it doesn't make that much of a difference because you have to exhaust this card anyway and all of the all of the stuff it will it will reference bounty tokens so at least the, the next two cards reference bounty tokens so it's not that like you're getting a way to to really to really offset the the flexibility they get. So I can see that I can see that being a major advantage in that way. So speaking of which advantage, next card is scouted. Uh, Antonia, you back again? Uh, yep. Okay, so scouted costs one XP and it reads exhausted this card while a hero with the bounty token is attacking to reroll one defense die. If you do convert all dodges results, wait, is the dodge right? I always mix them. Yeah, up. that's dodge. Yeah. If you do convert all dodge result to evade results, while choosing open groups for mission, ignore the no f- no um, scum figures restriction. So this is another tool in my bag for the article. <laughs> so this is I don't know if you. If you talked about that, Alice, there, but this is this is one of the effects that you probably get with the bounty tokens, and I think so. It doesn't really make a difference if you're playing against two or three players or or four players. This effect happens all of the time, and so the only difference I can see is that you're you're you have an easier way in the late game to. To get rid of one of the heroes very easy, very quickly with negating dodges, make dealing more damage. So, other than that, 
I don't. I can't see that uh, well, being a well, direct, a direct counter. Am, am I misreading this? Am I misreading this? This is actually more defending as the empire player, oh, so that yes, if a bounty okay, figure so, is attacking, and to, so it's only I, actually I, when, it, when it's attacking no, one no, of your no, white no. die figures. Okay, so I talked with Pazi about this. Sorry, I, I forgot that this is actually a misprint or a miss, a miss scan or whatever. So the card in the article, Pazi is very certain that this is not correct, and it actually says one. Um, um, Wait, what? What? I, I think it. I think it happens when you when attack, you're attack a hero, a hero? with a. That's yeah, when them? you attack a ah. hero with a bounty token. So, yeah. So it's not a it's not a free reroll for you, but it's a, a forced reroll on the hero with a bounty token. Otherwise, it wouldn't really fit the theme, and that the the sentence itself wouldn't make any any real sense. Ah. Yeah, it's kind of contradicting. It, it does to me. Uh, but no, in the article I, I see itself, it. I, th- I think this is a situation. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, so the article said the article says um, scouted cancels all dodges from a hero with a bounty token and brings your mercenaries into any mission, even uh, if they are normally restricted. So we, uh, Pazi and I, are fairly certain that this is a misprint, and this is actually being then changed in the actual game when it's released, and it will say. Say exhaust this card while you attack a hero with a bounty token to reroll one defense die. If you do, convert all dodges result to evade results. But it actually already and, and says, I think, right? I disagree. I... But it already says so, then you can exhaust this card when attacking a hero with a bounty token to boost your damage or gain more surges. I mean, that's what I mean. I'm just saying it's a, it's a sentence in the article, right? Uh, this is actually a sentence referencing the previous card. Don't want to dead, yeah. Yeah, it's actually the next card that, uh, that uh, talks uh, about. Oh yeah, Scouted, I'm sorry. So. Yeah. But yeah. My feeling, my feeling is actually this refer- this card, if it isn't wrong, reflects the idea that the, the target has been. You know, we've got a little intelligence on this target, meaning when they attack, we're a little bit better at defending ourselves from them. That's why I think it, it might be right. But I agree that the sentence they wrote in the flavor paragraph uh, yeah, doesn't seem to have looked at it with as much detail as I, we have. I, why would you? I I mean the only. The only figure I would re-roll this on is a Nexu. If I'm, def- if it's, if it's actually played as we, as we read it in the actual picture on in the article, because uh, no, I, there, there is I no, think you'd re- you're losing, re-roll you're the, losing black the dodge die. result. You're losing your dodge result. Yeah, you can re-roll the black die, but. Yeah, when, you know. would only use it when you've got that terrible result, but when you do need it, you've got the opportunity to use it. I think the saying no dodge means, yes, you can reroll your white die if you have a, an Imperial figure that has a white die, sure, but just yeah. don't don't be excited about rolling a dodge on the reroll. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get it as well. I think it's actually going to be quite useful because, uh, like they mentioned in the other article we'll get to, sometimes that one that one extra attack is really worth it. So if, if you've only rolled a single block on your black die and it's going to be dead... Well, why not go for it, re-roll, and then you'll be able to survive, yeah, sure. forcing that yeah, hero sure. to attack again. That, of course, that's that's a that's a very valid. But like I said, I, I think that it will really. I mean, it can also be that uh, that uh, the sentence in the article is completely wrong, and that's not what the actual card should do, and it actually should do what it says on the card. But then. I, I wouldn't take it. There would be other ways to spend your XP in better ways, I think, because this seems a pretty weak effect. 
even if you the other effect of the card still applies so you can still take your mercenary figures onto the mission if they are not allowed so you can take your nexu you can take your trandoshans with you but it's i i don't know it seems awfully weak if it's really played the way it is <laughs> on the on the card in the article but we will see when it's, I, I, when I it's think, actually released so yeah i think you only use it when it's the worst case scenario but Taking away your one worst roll every turn, not too bad. Assuming that most heroes will often have bounty tokens, given the way the card, the first yeah. card is written. Yeah. Little little argument for the podcast as well. We're yeah. not always in agreement, us. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, so uh, one card remaining from the hot mercenary stack, and it's called Most Wanted. I can't remember who read the last card, so I will I read this That's one. Bit. Okay. Uh, so I will read this one. It's called Most Wanted. It's for 4xp, so one of the highest costed half mercenaries cards. Exhaust this card while a hero is defending to apply plus 2 damage to the attack results. If that hero has a bounty token, apply an additional plus 1 damage to the attack results. Uh, yeah. Um, this, so this would be in combination with Scouted, if it's played like I think it's played, very deadly. Because you are dealing plus three damage, and if the target has a has a dodge, you can reroll. If it's another dodge, the dodge would be cancelled, and you would get just an evade. And plus you, but you have still the free damage from the most wanted card, and the damage you roll. So this would easily be like seven damage quite quickly, and this is very interesting. So yes, of course, well, of course, it's, it's also and the so. wanted dead, the base card. The base card wanted it also has a plus yeah, one still, or plus one yeah, surge. Plus one. So, yeah, so it's to four, hit. So it's four plus one surge. So, uh, I think it's good. So very interesting. Se- seems to again focus on the heroes with the with the bounty token. And I. So I like the deck, from what we know now, but I'm still going to cho- to choose the other one first because. Bringing unique figures on the table, and I, I can I can show my hand here. But what I'll do, I will choose the choose Greedo and the Inquisitor for my <laughs> for my for my two nemesis or two villains to um, to deploy in the campaign. So they will be on the table all of the time because Greedo is Greedo four points. He's four points, right? I think he is. Yeah. Yeah. And. Let's see. So you can deploy him for three points in the first mission, which is very interesting, I think. And it's very good. So, yeah. I like the the flavor, the feel of Hot Mercenaries better, to be honest. I mean, besides the whole power gaming aspect and maximizing everything. I, I just like the mechanics of this bounty token. Sure, flavor-wise, it's very good, yeah. I just like the mechanics of Nemesis much better because it lets me use amazing, unique figures, which I really like. It's one of the one of the aspects of the campaign. I, I enjoy the most when I, I play missions where there are unique figures showing up, like Vader, like IG, um, General Wise, all of the good stuff. So I really like these missions. And this deck actually gives you the tools to make all of the missions these missions so and even have some very interesting interactions between unique figures that might not happen otherwise so very very cool okay so 
this is the article Savage. So it was the last article spoiling um, cards from Java's Realm. But it's not the last article about Java's Realm because moving on, we get to the article called Inside the Palace. And it's a, we can call it meta article about the development of the expansion. Uh, Paul and Todd give their insight about what they tried to do and what they uh, think they have accomplished with some of the mechanics introduced with the new heroes, new Imperial units and the new decks. Uh, first they talk about um, that sometimes heroes miss this, this one crucial damage to actually defeat some units. And for this they introduced Vintorida, uh, who has multiple ways to incidentally deal one damage to uh, targets in range. Also, uh, with Ona Koma, the, the big bulky Aqualish <laughs> bowling ball, uh, they wanted to accomplish that focusing one hero shouldn't be as strong as it is right now. So. If the Imperial player really, really barrels down on one hero, this can be a bit of a negative experience for this player. And Onar Koma is one of the ways to uh, pull some damage off of that hero and transfer, in effective, transfer it over to another hero. And yeah, they go on and on about all of the of the problems, also about uh, size of the figures, uh, uh, both. In, in, in person, so on the board, and uh, how much they occupy on the board in uh, terms of spaces. And then they switch over to command cards, traits, and army, army building. Uh, I haven't read this part of the article that much. Uh, has any one of you? No, uh, yeah, so. I think it's... Uh, yes, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh great! Uh, yeah, no, I think it's 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 required reading. Everybody who's playing skirmish should have a look at this because it's 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 great about what they notice is going on too much and what they see is not happening. Um, um, in terms of, it's wonderful to see the developers' mindset behind it. I think yeah. that uh, what they've changed really well is the idea that they're gonna they're gonna try to power up the command cards because they felt that they they just wanted more traits to be more viable, and I think that reflects the fact that that troopers have been so good because they've just had very very strong trooper cards more than anything else. Um, so I think that that's a really really good reveal, uh, and I think it's one of the reasons that hunter and smugglers are going to be really exciting to play in the, in the weeks to come with these uh, with all these really powerful cards coming out. Speaking of which, actually there is another new card spoiled in this article, which is called Assassinate. Uh, have you looked at it already? Uh, yes, uh, actually, and I think Tools for the Job is, is also uh, possibly new. Oh, correct, um, yeah. So uh, the Assassinate ability, uh, really interesting. Um, so Hunter, use while attacking a figure to apply plus three damage to the attack result. Three-point card. I have come away from three-point cards in most of my command decks because, you know, you get excited about them, but then I'd rather be more reliably... Um, you know, take Crush, for example. I don't really run it. Yeah. But uh, with this card, with a couple of HKs or with a good good Hunter list, I think you can be pretty sure that you're going to get it off. And that plus three damage um, is like the plus two surge. It's really going to help make something a kill that might otherwise not be. So I think that's going to be a really good card um, to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the other card... Similarly, Tools is... for the Job... 
Tool for the Job, yeah. You want to read it? Yeah, it's... It, it, Go it, ahead. It's perfect. It's, it's right between Wild Attack at the bottom and Assassinate at the top. Here's a mid-level one where all you're doing is adding a dice your color to the attack pool. If you've got good surges, maybe you go green or yellow. If you've got bad surges, maybe you go red. Yeah. But it's going to really... Um, it's just sort of a mid-range of not totally guaranteed damage. Yeah. And I think that since, the, since most of the mercenaries will have traits like Brawler, Hunter, or uh, these... Uh, traits. Most of the command cards will focus around uh, these traits at first, but I think they will with the wave itself, with like the the, the new rebel trooper stuff. I, I can't remember how they are named the, the endo troopers. Um, they will probably um, introduce new uh, cards for like what cool rebel traits traits do we have? I actually can't remember. Well, I'm, I'm sort of wondering if some of these really exciting smuggler cards... Uh, Hunter's getting the most love right True, now. There's, so I, good, yeah. I wonder if Chewbacca and Han Solo might just squeeze back into a few lists now that you could throw Chewbacca with rolling maybe mm-hmm. like six die. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, a, it's an interesting article. If you are excited about Skirmish in, after Chavez Ram is being released, definitely read it to get a good idea on what will be happening then and other than that that's the article go ahead and read it so the next article we had was high stakes gamble and it's just a preview article about uh, uh, the next uh, rewards for the imperial assault regional championships so the prizes you can win Um, the next Regional Championship will run from November the 12th to February 20, the 25th of February and I think this will so we talked about this when we met up they are skipping the store uh, store um, championship portion of the, the of the, the turn or the the actual tournament schedule correct uh, yes yeah, since, since first place seems to go straight to the na- the uh, buy for national championships yeah. I think that's yeah Right. So the next, the next, the next uh, tournaments you can play in the stores are actually not store championships, but actually regional championships. Which, when Yep is on again, he will probably rave about because that's not what he wants to hear. Because there are some problems with regional championships. So we will see how that shakes out. Uh, but in terms of what you can win for that, you have the top sixty-four uh, get an alternate art copy of. Lando Calrissian looks cool. It's a nice piece of art, but I don't think it's better than the one we have already. The top thirty-two get a set of five scum wound tracker cards, whatever that is. Yeah, oh, that's favorite. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. That the uh, that the, 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 the small cards you can place your deployment cards on, and then yeah. The top eight get uh, a set of attack and defense die. Acrylic ones, of course, so now the set is complete because uh, we had, um, I think, the, the green and the blue ones we had already, correct? Uh, blue and black was 2015, and white and green was this year, so yes, yeah, will, so will be all six. The other ones will be green and red, and so we have all six now. Yellow and red. At right? least if you're... Oh, sorry. But, yeah, but I'm, I'm confused. Why does it say defense? Because it's just yellow and red, Not right? sure, because it's just attack, yeah. Not sure. Okay. It's the article is not sure itself, I think. <laughs> okay, and the top four 
receive uh, a printed acrylic point style featuring Trandoshan Bounty Hunter Bosk. It's uh, some of these styles already popped up last time, and I think they are not. It was the at at, at the nationals, and I have to say I was not too excited about the scoring dial, but I really like it, so I'm excited to get another. Is it is is it as tiny as it looks in the picture? It, It looks like really hard to see the number which is revealed by the. By the rotational yeah it, it does look it does look pretty small but actually that ends up working rather well because you you sort of it, it sort of uh, sits by you and it's it's easy to to manipulate so okay. i was i was reluctant about it but it, i found it worked out really well for me okay yeah it just looks too small but maybe it's not the case and i think the the biggest change is the first place will not get a glass uh, trophy like the last few times but uh, it will be a colored trophy depicting the Medal of Javan. Uh, and, of course, this first player, you get a first round buy in the Imperial Assault National Champions Championship. I think if you, play, following. if you play a list that includes Chewie, you don't get the medal, I think, for the Yavin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't give the medal to the Wookiee. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and there are additional details about the tournament structure. But I don't think that's really that important. If you are interested in, go ahead and read it. Uh, most of this will also be covered in the FAQ we will talk about in a minute. So that's uh, that's the high stakes gamble article, and we are closing out with the last article. We, uh, I think this was posted yesterday yeah. or the day before. What one last uh, yeah, thought yesterday. about the, the regionals to the the regionals to nationals is it's going to be probably maybe for the last time and for a while uh, one of the most confused metas at Worlds. It's going to really... There's not going to be quite enough games to really determine what's become really dominant, because Jabba's going to change so much. So it'll be really interesting just to go through one regional cycle and then probably see a Worlds where everybody's still sort of figuring out what's working. So it should be really colorful and I'm actually excited about it. Yeah, isn't this also be a problem for next year? Because next year, presumably, the Worlds will happen in the start of summer or so. Uh, May, I think, is what they're targeting. We will... Yeah, afterwards we will get our small box, and then we will get our big box right after, let's say, the Nationals, or during the Nationals. So the same problem will be next year, I think, right? Because the, the, the release of the, of the big box doesn't really change over the years. It will be the same time next year. So And since the, the big boxes seem to be introducing the most new stuff, I think it will shake up the meta again, so... I can't oh, see this being... We can hope, yeah. Yeah. It will be very exciting to watch, of course. But maybe a bit stressful for the players to adapt to really new strategies and new figures. So, it will be interesting. Okay. Uh, like I said, uh, closing out with the last article, which is the October 2016 Rose Update. Uh, it has links to the new uh, Imperial Assault uh, tournament regulations. It also has links to the Imperial Assault FAQ, but this hasn't been updated since July, so it's the same as last time. But the tournament uh, regulations regulations have up, been updated, and apart from from some stuff that uh, I haven't read now, <laughs> right now because it was posted yesterday, and I was pretty busy setting up my new or uh, setting up my my desktop PC. Uh, I have only read uh, the stuff about the maps, which um, we have a new legal map, and the new legal maps uh, since or starting November the first will be 
Melvanian Warzone, ISP Headquarters and Coruscant Landfill. So Training Grounds is being replaced by ISP Headquarters. First of all, um, Alistair, how does this work with Worlds? Isn't Worlds after first? Uh, it is. Worlds is going to be on the 5th and 6th, so they have thrown us one hell of a curveball. Um, Why do they do this? I think, and I have no, I have no frame of reference for this. I think it's a good idea. I think we'll calm down and realize it's a good idea. Anybody who's going to Worlds, I mean, I'm, I've uh, booked a yeah. big flight in a hotel room. So two days ago, I was, I was sort of okay. Well, I know what's going to be, and I know it's working. Oh, I'm worried. I've lost you a bit. <laughs> Uh. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I still don't like it. And you, you, you asked us what what you should what you should ask when uh, when you are at Worlds and can talk to the devs. And if you're not talking to the devs, but to the to the organized play admins, admins or the organized play guys, maybe ask them why they are changing the FAQ right which includes new maps and I think it will be the same in other games why are they changing it right before the final tournament I mean I can understand them having the the desire to to shake up the meta somehow but why do it before a very large very prestigious tournament this is it I, seems think, really I think that it, it depends the kind of I, I think they might want something different from the old worlds where it was four by four where it was so well known what was going to work yeah but it's already different I mean the, the the matter right now is all over the place I mean you I, you said you said troopers are still strong and I I, I agree with that but you still yeah. had you still have the the mercenaries and there are good uh, rebel lists, so it's not that really one sided like it was last year. I mean, it's a totally different situation right now. I think they may have addressed one problem with the new map is the there was too many shootable doors uh, in the previous rotation. Uh, there was just course. far too many missions where Blaze could get it right off the bat, or uh, ISPs could hide right off the bat, or a few other options. So this new map is going to take that away at least for one down to a third. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so I, if it if it makes for some more colorful and entertaining matches, that might also be exciting as well if they're going to be on Twitch because this new map has so many corridors, nooks, and crannies, and, and it should be some very very fun games. Doesn't look like it favors the Bantha as much. Yeah, uh, I don't like oh, that they change it right before the tournament. So as close! Well, I made it all the way to the end, and then lost signal. Yeah, it's still in your offline recording. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. So we still have technical difficulties, but you might not actually notice it because um, because we are recording offline and uh, the transmission. Defects are not showing up in the actual offer and recording, but uh, yeah, but what uh, Alistair said it's it's certainly true, um, but I still don't like it. I mean, I can understand them trying to shake up things, but that's 
that's not not reason enough to 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 throw some of the players who are really really diving into what's going on right now with the current meta and the current maps throw them such a curveball but yeah it's their game of course and yeah. but that's that's probably one of the questions that they might even be able to answer because i yeah. i gave you a question that they probably not going to answer but uh that's one of the questions you can ask them when you're there why I are think, they doing this so i think it's it's easy because depending how fast they rotate maps as well a lot of people don't play with a lot of the great stuff they have in their box i mean i don't play a lot of the skirmish maps other than the ones that i'm training on i'm a little bit excited to see if some of the principles i think are totally hard and fast are going to stand up to a different map and if i'm surprised it's going to actually make me like the game more not less but i am canadian and a bit of an optimist <laughs> yeah that, that i wanted to say maybe you're not you're not competitive enough for the for the mindset <laughs> oh. no, <laughs> no it's fine uh, i'm glad you like it so uh that's all of the news articles we had for uh, the last few weeks which brings us yeah which brings us to game discussion uh, unless you already have, uh, unless you two have something to add, I think. Uh, no. Okay, then uh, let's have a bit of game discussion. I think none of us have, uh, other than maybe Alistair, have played that much Imperial Sound in the past few weeks. I was busy with um, handing over my projects at my job because I'm between, officially the first time in my life between jobs right now. And. Um, I was a bit busy at work, so I, I I shoved away Imperial Assault for a few weeks right now. But I'm in holiday and back in action. So next time I have much more to talk about. Um, so, do we want to talk about the dodge symbol or do we want to do it next time? I think we should do it next time when you actually wrote your your article. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I... I I'm writing an article, I mentioned it already, about uh, why the dodge symbol is actually very bad, and I really don't like it. Not, I mean, I don't like it in the campaign, but I really, really don't like it in skirmish. Not a, it, and it's not the reason I don't play that much skirmish, but I even don't like it when I'm watching skirmish, which is really bad. Yeah. But more on that in the article, and uh, it will be released after <laughs> after I release the the still out, outstanding um, to come articles about, uh, I think, the uh, Grand Inquisitor and Greedo. And it is a direct response, probably, to the Jodo cast article, yeah. which is yeah, it, it will be which is called yeah. X Happens in Defense of the Dodge Results happen, yes. in yeah. Imperial Assault. So you can Google that will, and read up in the meantime. I, I, it, it is it is linked in the show notes to episode thirty five. So if you haven't looked at the show notes it's your fault i will include it in the show notes this episode too so you can read it again if you haven't already if um, i go to worlds and i see the dodge too many times my opponents i'll read your article to comfort myself perfect <laughs> <laughs> okay um this means we are jumping right over to community watch which has a bit of uh interesting stuff today First of all, um, Chris from DiceHate started a Monday night Imperial Assault Twitch campaign. Not sure if I mentioned this last time. I think I did, but this time it already started. So uh, I'm, I will include a link to the to a post on the official forum boards 
where there's a link to the actual show and where you can watch previous sessions. And I think they are already progressed quite already. Uh, so have a look at that and it's uh, maybe tidying you over until we pick up our, our campaign again. Uh, also, we have a written article about the Bespin Gambit on Kotaku, which I don't really like Kotaku. They were not the best reporters in the past, but they seem to be a bit better now and they seem to, since they are... Uh, since they have been broken away from Gawker, they seem to have increased uh, the quality of the articles quite considerably. So you should check out the article. It's quite short. I read it. And it's probably not that much news to you if you already played the campaign or if you already played the, the expansion, either in the campaign or in Skirmish. But uh, still, it's, an, it's, it's exposure and it's nice to read anyway. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so, and the last link I will include in the show notes uh, is a link to the Imperial Assault Hero Guide Part 1 on the official boards, and the, a user by the name of Dark Reaper has done a lot of work and wrote, I'd say it's three or four pages worth of um, rambling about uh, the Imperial Assault heroes during the campaign and grouping them into tiers and why they are into in certain tiers. So it's a lot about what are they good at, what are they bad at, what should you take in consideration in building a team. Uh, it's quite a lot to read, but it's very worth it if you are starting out um, and trying to figure out which heroes to, to use for your next campaign. So definitely read it. It's written good enough. And even though I don't really approve of all of the categorizations of heroes, especially not locus, like others have already posted in the thread. It's still good to read and uh, he still makes some valid arguments for what he's posting. So check out uh, Dark Reaper's posts and maybe even uh, leave him a like on the post. So It features Biff that's bashing. It. Yeah, it features Biff Bashing, which we all like, so <laughs> that's that's actually something I, I'm curious as if they can ever revive Biff in some <laughs> form or so. <laughs> Maybe make a make a another expansion which features his brother and they are a very good tech team or something. Actually I wanted um, um, to mention something really quick. Um I'm sorry, I forgot yeah. that. In the news, um I'm not sure if everybody recognized it, but they changed something in the tournament rules, which kind of indicates that there will be um, other forms of the characters. I'm not sure. Did you read this? Um, no, I didn't. In the tournament rules, they said something. Um, basically, I think they, they started to do rules for the things to come. And what they said is that if you are choosing to use another version of a character, you actually have to state it on the character. Um, so you have to say like with, force, with Luke Skywalker force Luke being or something. The yes. So because for the first time we now have two different cards with the same name, Luke Skywalker. So um, maybe more of those to come. There are more of those, probably. Just saying. Okay. Yeah. We could use a new hand solo. I forgot to mention that. I, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so for the listeners, we will go over the. the <laughs> this paragraph real quick in the in the new uh, tournament rules. So it says, if a player uses a deployment card with the same name and army points as a different component available, 
<coughs> he or she must uniquely identify that card. The recommended, recommended way to uniquely identify the card is by including the full name of the product in which the card appeared in parentheses. A player can ask a leader for specific instructions if they are unsure of the best method to uniquely identify the, a card. <coughs> Sorry. Unique identification example. Veronica includes Luke Skywalker in her army. While the original Luke Skywalker card has a different cost than the Jedi Knight version, Veronica wants to make it clear which version she is using. Veronica writes Luke Skywalker parenthesis Luke Skywalker Jedi Knight ally pack on her army list. If a leader discovers a player's army listing missing appropriate information, he or she should find that player immediately and update the army list based on the card the player is using. If this was result, result in a significant potentially advantageous change, the leader should consider investigating for possible cheating. I'm not actually sure what they are mean, meaning with the last sentence here. Yeah, basically what, 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 what they mean is that you cannot change your army during the tournament. So what you could oh, basically true. do yeah. is, if you have one figure with two different versions which cost the same, you can basically say, yeah, well, in this match, because it's for some reason favorable for me, myself, I will play yeah. this version, yeah, and in the true. next match I will play the other one. And okay, um, yeah. mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to just really quick notice that this is interesting in my opinion because they might come a different versions of the things ahead. Yeah, I mean we have we have. I hate to bring it up, but <laughs> the the LTR LCG has different versions for the hero cards and even for ally versions. So uh, reusing uh, named characters in a game isn't something FFG shies away from. So I can I can see them for sure giving us another Han Solo or another Chewbacca if they feel they cannot solve their underuse uh, with um, skirmish attachment cards or uh, skirmish upgrade cards. So I, I can definitely see this happening. So, And I think it will happen. At least when, let's say, when they are done with making expansions for the uh, original trilo trilogy movie content, which we all suspect will happen... In about a year, then I can see them including another another batch of originally released heroes with other abilities, with other costs and whatnot. So maybe even the same costs, but other but strong abilities also. Okay, that was a quick detour, and this also I, I would I would have been done with the community watch. I'm um, sorry. Go go ahead, go ahead. No problems. It's it was a very very valid point to bring up. So, uh, go ahead and read the hero tier list in the official forums. It's you should really read this. Read this if you play campaign and play heroes, or even if you play heroes. Are you talking to me or? Uh... No, no, I'm talking to the listeners. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> like always. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is the end of Community Watch, and since we have no rules clarifications this time, I mean we talked a lot about rules clarifications uh, on our meetup in Essen, but it's nothing new really. And since we have no contest this time, we will close off the show. Before we come to the end, uh, Alistair was so kind and uh, donated some swag for us, uh, one of which will be the one of the challenge challenge coins he won during the regionals i think and um you will be able to win this in the vassal tournament but i'm not giving away away what you have to do for it so 
I'm I'm still thinking about a creative way to to gift this out as a as a prize because it's something I can send with. Uh, it's not that heavy, so I can send it over the world without that much cost. So um, I will have something creative for for winning this prize. So even if you're not good in skirmish, you might even want to make sure you sign up. So you might get a challenge coin, even though you might not win any game. So keep out for that. Keep a lookout for that for next time. So with that, uh, we are at the end of the show. And before we do a send-off, um, Alastair, any uh, thing you want to plug? Any last parting words? Other than oh, me just, wishing you good luck at Worlds? Yes, no, just to anybody who's a fan of this podcast as much as I am, or um, any of the others, I, I look forward to meeting... Uh, people at Worlds and, and having a few good games um, and of course then hopefully being able to come back and tell us all the experience what it was like so yeah thanks for the good wishes and uh, again a, a massive thank you to everybody who contributed um, uh, because I did do some crowdfunding since uh, uh, to support me going over to Worlds so really really grateful for that and uh, yeah looking forward to reporting how it goes Do you want to plug any of your sponsors who are sending you halfway around the, around the world? Absolutely. Um, you know, for those listeners in the UK, Curtain Games uh, were the ones who took the lead on it and did a really excellent job um, and uh, have, are really sort of part, really they're one of the beating hearts, one of the many beating hearts of the sort of the community in the UK. And they're going to be running a regional next year, which I hope to see everybody out at. They, they do a really good job of it, you know, themed snacks and everything really worth going to. Um, uh, Cloud City Radio, another uh, another UK-based podcast, are just sort of exploring Imperial Salt for the very first time and they put some some uh, money forward, uh, as did Warbore, uh, Leisure Games, a few others. So uh, do have a look on the. Um, uh, I'll be wearing a T-shirt that has all the names on it there. Okay, and I will include a, a link for you in the in the podcast notes. Yeah. Uh, so good luck there. Uh, let's go over to Antonio. Anything other than you playing Overwatch in the last few weeks? How did you like Essen? Uh, it was amazing. Sadly, I just uh, I didn't go. Uh, it just went two days out of the four, but it was overwhelming. It was crowded way more than the last years, in my opinion. I mean, it gets worse every year. It seems to be. <laughs> and yeah, it was a lot, and I spent a lot of money, which I wanted to save on Kingdom Death Monster. That's how it works. Spe- speaking of Essen, um, it was what's was nice to meet a- you, by the way. Everybody who was there. Yeah. It was nice to meet you all too, as well. especially the meetup after the show uh, on Friday was very interesting and very. I had so much fun; it was very, very cool. So uh, we will, we should definitely do the, this. Speaking next of year, Essen, so. what do you want to say? Uh, yeah, I was actually a bit disappointed uh, on the showing the showing for Imperial Assault. There, there were not only were the any. New, not any new releases other than the German version of Return to Hoth, which is finally released almost a year after it was released in English. Yeah, you can you can laugh all you want. I am laughing too. Um, other than that, there was no new merchandise released there, of course, because the last wave was already released in like summer or so. But also, they didn't have any demo de- demo tables for Imperial Assault and uh, the whole show. They had two. Two tables for X-Wing, two tables for Armada, I think one or two tables for Rebellion, and no tables for Imperial Assault, which was actually 
I I don't like it. Uh, it seems to me that Heidelberger is a bit negle- neglecting what's going on with Imperial Assault. I'm not so sure Even if though... it's actually Heidelberger's decision. It, I mean, who was there probably can uh, can um, verify this. It looked way more streamlined and official this year. Like Asmodee is actually pressing the thumb a little bit. And I, I'm not sure how much Asmodee and FFG dictates what's shown. I mean, they had an FFG booth, basically. I mean, there was FFG yeah. on, on all the walls, yeah. on all the, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the pillars. and It was it was basically an FFG so booth. So do you You're think right. it's You're really right. a Heidelberger um, decision? I'm not sure. Not, not sure. Even even if it's not Heidelberger, then it's FFG's fault. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or maybe it's Asmodee's fault for because Asmodee is handling the, the stuff. Or most of the stuff outside of the US from what concerns FFG from what I heard from them isn't that what they are saying that they are using SMOD, Basically, SMOD yeah, as a worldwide proxy for FFG so whoever's the fault this is there was no demo, demo table for Imperial Assault which I really really disliked I would have because there was even a demo table for X-Wing and of course there was a demo table for Civilization I mean I can understand that because the, the new Civilization 6 game is coming out on PC, I think, this week or so. So this makes sense. But XCOM? I mean, there wasn't an XCOM release. Uh, why are they... Do, why is there, there XCOM and not Imperial Assault? I mean, I don't like it. Yeah, it's kind of uh, weird. Regardless... Especially with the idea of uh, European nationals, or sorry, European yeah. equivalent worlds, which I'm really looking forward to next year. It'd be great if we could get more yeah. uh, continentals excited about it. Like I said, it's I really, it's it was disappointing. But other than that, uh, I played Arkham Horror, which I will sink my teeth in when it's finally released here, and I'll step away from Imperial Sword for maybe two weeks or so to. To immerse myself my, myself in the, into the mythos, and um, yeah, that was my Essen experience. I didn't buy that much because all of the stuff I wanted to buy was sold out or not available. So no master or not available. Yeah. So. Yeah, but. But I, I will I will upload on Facebook uh, a little bit of pictures I took, and there are some interesting side side note pictures I took of vintage board games there. So you should really take a look. So. Uh, you wanted something to add there, Antonia? Yeah, I just think it, it actually was was good to see Heidelberg grow a little bit. I think they actually had more demos uh, from cool things I was yeah. interested in. Their booth definitely expanded from last year, so they are riding, they are riding the FFG wave very hard. But, but, so. but I still really dislike the fact that they could not get into the normal selling booth without standing in line, which is kind of stupid. I still... Yeah, you were really disappointed, I, I heard, yeah. Okay, so uh, that's our little bit of Essen talk. Um, I hope we weren't too boring for you. And if you were at Essen and didn't join our meetup, shame on you. It was very, very cool meeting the guys and, of course, Antonia too. And drinking beer and having burgers. So next time we will probably stay at the same, if it's still there, at the same pub. And uh, you can visit us and join our meetup. With that, uh, we're at the end of the show. You can reach us, of course, as always, via Facebook on facebook.com slash boardwars.eu. 
you can uh, reach us on Patreon um, on patreon.com slash We have a new um, patron there. I think Chris from Dicehead uh, pledged some, some money for us, so we will expand our operations over to the US in, in retaliation, I think. Uh, you can also write us emails via podcast at borders.eu and never forget to join our Discord server where all of the major in-between discussion is going on. So you can you can ask Parsi rules questions there. You can ask Alice there uh, or Chris from Dice Hate all of the good uh, questions about Skirmish. And of course, if you have any campaign questions, you can ask me. So you can join Discord on discord.me slash bweu and it should open in your browser. That's it. Episode um, 36 and see you in hope, hopefully for real this time in about two weeks. I keep saying this, but it should hold true <laughs> for the next episode. Yeah, we will so, see. So uh, with that, uh, bye-bye. Bye. bye.